Hello and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I am your host, Mary Catherine Ham. I'm here with my co-host, Vic Mattis of the Washington Free Beacon. And because I had to run away and take care of my ailing children last time, we didn't get to everything I wanted. And now it seems as though between Monday and today, the 2024 race has just has just burst upon the scene. We have so much to talk about. Hello, Mary Catherine. <laughs> yes, it's in full bloom right now. It really is. Just like with the weather. First of all, kids are doing fine. Yeah. Great, right. great. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah okay. I, I do want to say, you know, wh- when I started getting into doing uh, this whole podcast thing, my old friend Mike Murphy told me the mm-hmm. best thing to do before a show is have an apple. And they used to have an where he when he did radio shows and radio stations, he always, they always had bowls of apples. Apparently, you have the apple, you bite into it, it clears everything out of your mouth, huh. and then you can give a great show. I would say I did the exact opposite today. Okay, all right. I had lunch with our friend and getting hammered hammerhead fan Paul Crookston. Yay! Paul's doing fine. He's married now oh, to his lovely yay. wife Lauren. So we had a lovely lunch. I had sushi. And I came back to the office and had a, a cream-filled donut and coffee. So slightly the opposite of the apple. You know what is another form of opposite is when I used to cover NASCAR. And before you cover NASCAR, what you need is a pack of the complimentary camels that they have in the press room is that right? for you. That was in the Winston Cup days. I'm dating oh, myself. Yeah. In the Winston Cup days, they had a basket just full of cigarettes. And then everyone smoked inside because it was 2002 in North Carolina at a NASCAR track. And so you just just fumigated in there. Just yeah. Now (laughs) things are much better. Better. It's just a giant bowl of edibles. Yeah. So things are great now. You can smoke inside, just not nicotine. Yeah. Yeah. What's going on? Oh my gosh! What's not going on, Vic? I know. Okay. So I want to do some Biden-Trump news. Sometimes I don't want to talk about them, but it does seem to demand it Mm -hmm. this week because we have some Biden poll numbers from the Washington Post ABC poll that are important to talk about. It's a bit of an outlier of a poll, but I want to discuss it anyway because it's sending alarm bells all over the place. We have the uh, Trump versus E. Jean Carroll case in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. We have just an immigration meltdown going on. What else? There's, There's more things. There's Jordan Neely in the subway, but that is an ongoing. Thing. That is I think ongoing. We'll save that one because yeah, that was. We'll see if the Marine gets charged with manslaughter. That could actually happen. Oh, in the town hall. Oh yes, of course. The of town course, hall the town. on CNN. Yeah. So there's a couple things to talk about. Oh, but before we get to that, rejoice, Vic, because today you can leave your house again as the pandemic is over. Oh, it was today the day. This is like victory today, VJ when, day. When you hear. This is VC Day. VC. <laughs> That's not good either. That's yeah. not good either. When you hear this, you as of it. yesterday, yes. we have defeated the virus, guys. Uh-huh. It's time to move on with our lives. And I know that you and I were both cloistered throughout. Oh, we, this... I, I, I can't wait to go to a restaurant. How is it out there? How is it out there? Maybe our, maybe some of our listeners can describe it to us yeah. as we reemerge. Mm-hmm. You know what I remember, and I like—I always joke around with people about this. You know, it's like May, and I'll be like, "Yeah, I remember when I, I finally—I just finally came out, you know, and to to the world in May uh, of 2020. In, yes, May of 2020. <laughs> What's open? We're going. Yeah, that was my approach as well. Memorial Day of 2020. Yeah. I was like, "Girls, we're going to a restaurant. Too, too many. We're them, keeping these the, folks in gotta business. Got to keep them in business, and I have a feeling we're going to be fine." All right. So, but because of the fact that the pandemic is now officially over. Yes. Title 42 is now officially over. Now, Title 42 is the program that allows the U.S. Border Patrol and Border Protection to prohibit entry of persons who are potentially pose a health risk. Basically, it it allowed them to turn away a lot more asylum Mm -hmm. seekers than they otherwise would have turned away. It was implemented during the Trump administration due to COVID. They would send people back to their last country they Mm -hmm. were in. So they would sort of touch back to Mexico, most of them. And then it was halted for a brief period last year 
by an injun- by one federal judge, but then that was that injunction was then stopped by right. Supreme Court justices and it went back into effect. And now as of May 11th, it will be gone again. So you will not have the expanded authority to send asylum seekers back to another country. They will then have to be processed here or they will go over the border or they will be gotaways as they're referred to sometimes. At any rate, this, as you can imagine, on top of the Biden administration's very clear messaging that they're not interested in turning people away or doing any a ton of enforcement down were. there, has resulted in a lot of people yeah. coming to the border in anticipation mm-hmm. of Title 42 disappearing. We were already at, like, just to give you an idea of mm-hmm. fiscal year 2021 versus fiscal year 2022 encounters at the border, 2021, 294,352 encounters. Fiscal year 22, 551,930 encounters. So, like, that's that's the rate at which this is increasing. Yeah. And it's increasing more now because everyone knows this thing is about to fall. To the point that I think Fox's Bill Malugin, who knows what he's talking about and has been on the border this entire time, is talking about, like, 33,000 encounters over several days. 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 That's right. Over several days. Yeah. And this, of course, is leading to both a political and a humanitarian crisis because the Biden administration doesn't like these pictures coming out of border towns. They uh, can't hide it. They try to, by yeah. the way. Keep in mind, do you remember they didn't want authorities to be cooperating with the media with the helicopters and the flyovers and things like that? No drones. Get them out yeah, of here. Get the drones out of there. Well, the it's drones, a bad look. The drones are there. And yeah. this is, they only. That's the other thing. They're sending 1,500 soldiers to the border, but they're not actually sending anyone for yeah. enforcement. Yeah. It's not like they're blocking the way. Right. They're, they're, they're using them for data entry. Exactly. They're sending them to process people quicker. Mm-hmm. That's what the plan is. Yeah. It's like they're just conceding that, yes, we're going to be overwhelmed, and therefore, instead of any sort of security, we're going to do processing instead. You know who's really good at data entry? SEAL Team 6. That's what I always think. It's like, <laughs> oh, who am I going to get to fill in this role? I mean, I can go to a temp agency, I guess. No, no, no. I'm going to Fort Bragg. So the, so the president get said- the Delta Force. The president yeah. said, I'll play a, a little bit of this because it's a pretty astonishing admission. Here's actually Wolf Blitzer asking Mayorkas about it, who is the secretary of- Homeland Security. President Biden now says the border is, quote, and I'm quoting him now, going to be chaotic for a while. Is he admitting, for all practical purposes, that the Biden administration is not prepared for what's about to happen? My, it does sound like he's admitting that. Mayorkas goes on to say, like, blah, blah, blah. Sure, things will be tough. I'll play a little bit. So I've been saying for months and months uh, that we've got a very challenging situation at the border. Uh, And indeed, it's going to get more challenging uh, when Title 42 comes to an end. So this is uh, perfectly in line with what I have been saying. He's been on this for literally months, Vic. The the Department of Homeland Security Secretary. Remember when he and I believe it was Vice President Kamala Harris said the border is secure? You know, it's straight faces. It's fine. Because this is only happening now. Until then, it was secure. It's just happening now. I know you'll be shocked to hear this, Vic. You'll remember that. Texas Governor Abbott is sending some of the migrants who come over to other places that have advertised themselves as sanctuary cities. They they opened up their arms. Right. Arms wide open. Announcing that they would not be cooperating with ICE officials, right? Yes. Arms arms wide open. President Trump. Like a journey cover band. Arms (laughs) wide open. And then this this is what happens when the rubber hits the road, man. New York City Mayor Eric Adams gave in to pressure from neighboring county officials Wednesday night and and will no longer promise shelter for immigrants despite bragging about the city being a sanctuary for those who enter the country illegally. This is the Washington Examiner reporting. Adams signed an executive order that revokes portions of his pledge to house thousands of immigrants in the country's largest city, even as Title 42 is set to expire. New York City is anticipating a high number of arrivals in response to the end of Title 42. He says, this is not a decision taken lightly, and we will make every effort to get asylum seekers into shelter as quickly as possible, as we have done since day one. The biggest change is basically they're saying uh, families won't get their own rooms with a bathroom. They're going to get rid of this deadline to get migrants into shelters. And the relaxation of the rules comes as the city, quote, 
reached its limit in how many people it can take in. I was informed that there were no limits and that no small towns on the border should worry about that because they're just big old meanies. Yeah, I was thinking about when Eric Adams first announced in 2021 that New York City would remain a sanctuary city. I I can't remember if he said, but if it reaches up to a certain number, we got to turn you away. I don't think he said that. No, I don't think that was was part of the advertisement. Also, they are sending some asylum seekers out to the suburbs from New York City, which I was reliably informed when DeSantis did it is human trafficking. So that's the thing. Do you remember the night flights? That remember that? Remember that? Fox, it was human trafficking, Fox, guys. Yes. Fox would cover these night flights to other places throughout the country, particularly in New England and elsewhere. And you didn't get so much as, you know, a cough about this. You know, yeah. nobody even stopped. Oh, no. About this. Middle of the night flights no. to random tarmacs no, all over the up. country. And then DeSantis. Was it DeSantis or Abbott who sent? Well, DeSantis did Martha, Martha's, Martha's Vineyard. Martha's Vineyard was the last that straw. Was it, that was the last straw because it's 50 people. It is humanitarian crisis and he needs to be charged with sex trafficking. Yes. Oh, excuse me. What do you call it? Not, it's well, not sex trafficking. I mean, it's, it's, it's that's uh, what yeah, they were human in Human trafficking. Human trafficking. Sorry. Two different things. Well, sometimes. Also, sometimes. well, this is what we've talked about is that the entire endeavor yeah. now, the U.S. Border Patrol has been turned into an inept foster agency. No, this is all this is what is they have to do. This is many, not what they should be doing. Many, many minors yeah. into dangerous situations yeah. where Without there the is parents. massive trafficking yeah. problems. No, that's true. Both coming over that's the border true. and once they get into the country working as indentured servants somewhere. So border officials now say waiting in Mexico at this moment are about seven more than seven hundred thousand. Seven hundred thousand migrants. And keep in mind, they're not all from... It's a handful. It's just a handful. And they're not all from Mexico, right? Almost most of them are from Venezuela. Some of them are from Eastern Europe, Russia, Asia, the Middle East. We don't actually know. And that's the problem. And the same thing when they bring in drugs. You know, they can't... The administration likes to brag about all the fentanyl they stop at the ports. They don't know how much fentanyl is coming in over the border. Yeah. So that's why... So Biden is going to be overseeing now... Mm-hmm. two humanitarian crises in one term. The first one being Afghanistan. Yeah. And I don't remember, maybe you do, I don't remember at the time the media run up to the evacuation. until, And when it happened, it was full on and every network had to cover it because you couldn't, they couldn't ignore it. MSNBC couldn't ignore it. CNN couldn't ignore it. The only person it. who could ignore it was apparently the spokesperson for the White House, John Kirby. He didn't, yes. he didn't see the case. That's right. Did not see the case. Yes. Everything else was fine. And now it's a much different situation a fox has the countdown clock for title 42 and cnn sent a, a news crew down to el paso and there was no deni- they couldn't look away like no. it is there yeah. and it is an actual serious and here's problem. the thing it's not that there are it's not that there are not real asylum seekers and that we have no heart for those people that is not the issue no. the issue is, is that we are sending the message that everyone can be an asylum seeker that there will be very few mm-hmm. conditions to that and we're putting everybody in a dangerous situation yeah. and as usual democrats refuse to deal until it's right on their doorstep with the fact that there just are logistical limitations to how right. many people i know that you guys want to think that like we can just open the border and everything's fine and like everyone will be one people and it will be beautiful like a john lennon song right this is, well this is what they said back in 2020 it's not doable. No. And if you remember Trump, not Trump, Biden during the Democratic primaries to set himself apart from all his other rivals and, of course, the president said that he hopes that when he was president that there would be a, a migrant surge to the border because he's going to lift up the walls. He's going to dismantle. He's going to discontinue, even though that's everybody's taxpayer money that was going into that wall. And he's just going to stop it and everything is going to be great. Huh. I was told that the, by the media that that's not the message that was sent. Yeah. Yeah. Funny how that works. It's weird. It's weird. Yeah. You'll also be surprised to know that Mayor Lightfoot, who was on her way out. Chicago's mayor. Chicago's mayor sent a letter to Abbott asking him not to send anyone else. And he was like, sorry, you're going to have to take it up with Biden because she has said, basically, we are not prepared for this. We cannot take these folks. The ones there's some 3000 in Chicago now who are in sort of makeshift mm-hmm. bad situations. And certainly the incoming mayor doesn't have a plan. No. To deal with it. No. So 
little sanctuary yeah, city you, thing was you, really you know just a really just Chicago a, is not equipped. A but, sign. Yes, Chicago's not equipped, but El Paso and Brownsville—they're very equipped. No problem. To handle this this influx, the Border Patrol actually has orders at midnight to. And this sounds crazy because it sounds like this this is a conspiracy theory, but this yeah. is a fact. And the rules have already been published. They're releasing everybody from detainment, but. We hope you come back for your court date on in 2026. Yeah, three years. Yeah. I heard that the other day and I was like, that's got to be wrong, right? No, it is a three Looking forward because I'm sure they're going to come back. Yeah, uh, Did you totally. by, by any chance, did you happen to see White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre talking about this? Because they asked her, this is a humanitarian crisis unfolding. And rather than say the new, the new, the new playbook is rather than say, no, everything is fine. Right. She now says <laughs> Republicans fall. Uh, how? Congress needs to get their act together. Oh, okay. So she thinks that the, what's missing is the comprehensive immigration reform that yeah. has never, never been able yeah. to pass, yeah. even with a Republican president pushing it even during with, the Bush years. Even with, let's say, the help from certain members of the media, I don't think this is going to land on Republicans. Yeah. And when, when Americans are going to see what is going on down in the border... I don't think they're going to blame them because I think Republicans have been pretty consistent, especially during the Trump years, about having a strong and secure border. And they took a lot of heat from that for well, being the, compassionless. Yes. But and at the very least, now, sending a message yeah. that is not, yes, please, everyone come. Yeah. Right? That The message actually does matter because it yeah. incentivizes people or, or doesn't. Yeah. Well, the American people, I think, are with you for the most part on that, Vic, because... Mm-hmm. This latest polling for Biden does Ooh. not look great. Sending up flags, guys, for a lot of people. President Joe Biden's, this is ABC reporting. Job approval rating hit a career low in the latest ABC News Washington Post poll, and a broad 68% of Americans say he's too old for another term as president. Views that put him in a trailing position against top Republicans in early preferences for 2024. Just 44% see Biden's potential opponent, Donald Trump, is too old. Trump is 76, Biden 80. Beyond chronological age, Trump far surpasses Biden in being seen as having the mental sharpness and the physical health it takes to serve effectively as president, with wide doubts about Biden on both fronts. Another difference looks equally problematic for Biden should Trump emerge as the Republican nominee. Americans by 5436 say Trump did a better job handling the economy while he was president than Biden has done. Trump is not Biden's only challenge. Given his weaknesses, both Trump and and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis lead Biden in preferences for the presidency in 2024. Now, this is not what the other polls look like. This one is particularly bad for Biden. Not that the other polls are good. The White House is insisting this is an outlier, but I'm going to look to see what new polls come out after May 11. Yeah. Because I can't imagine his numbers are going to improve. People are still talking about the possibility of recession. As you know, inflation continues to linger badly, and you have this humanitarian crisis that's unfolding. Well, and he's not getting any younger. No, I think the problem— I mean, every time he speaks, it it confirms the view of 68% of Americans. Now, from time to time, you'll come across somebody who's very old and say, oh my gosh, I had no idea that person was that old. Looks like they're doing pretty good, and I I would trust that person, you know? But— for most of us, if you think about somebody you know, even a loved one who is anywhere between the ages of 80 and 85, and you imagine that person in the job, one of the toughest jobs, the toughest job in the world, no. Yeah. You, would not, you, would you wouldn't want to subject the person to that, even if you love that yeah. person. A good example, subject a good example by the insane. way, of someone who I think is certainly 80 plus and doing great is Iowa Senator Grassley. Chuck oh, Grassley. yeah. That yeah. man runs every morning at 4 a.m. So like that, it is. We probably run at the same speed too. I, I, yeah, I wonder if he does the little T Rex arms, you know, I the ones know. that go up and down, flopping, you know, because sometimes <laughs> I do that when no one's looking. Yeah, well, you got to stay mm-hmm. relaxed. You don't want to waste energy yeah. on clenching those hands up. Okay. That's right. Good tips. Good tips. The- so, I think he confirms how old he's getting every yeah. time he speaks in public. He's not going. He's not going to magically get better. Like what you see, even on a good day. Okay, fine, but. Especially, you know, the stress of a presidential campaign and the toll it takes on these candidates for somebody who is now 80, unless he's going to a swimming pool where there are aliens in cocoons, he can suck the (laughs) life force out of them. 
A movie you cannot get on streaming, by the way. A timely movie Thank reference you. from like, 1985 yeah, and a such half. A good, that's, a good, that's a good call, Mary Catherine. But Steve Gutenberg. I mean, we're yeah. at his, in his prime. <laughs> it, it's Steve Gutenberg's prime. Yeah, and Wilford Brimley's prime, too. So if the, short of that, short of cocoon happening to Biden, uh, <laughs> it's not good. I actually, I knew, I was, I was talking to a friend who was a former Hill staffer, and he remains convinced that the nominees are going to be neither Biden nor Trump, which is really I mean, interesting. I mean, it could happen, but I the would, way things stand right now, I would love to be delivered yeah, from this situation. Sure. sure, I think a lot of a lot of Americans too. No, that's that's the thing that people can say this is an outlier, but you have the other polling that shows more than fifty percent of Democrats don't want Biden as the nominee, yeah. and more than seventy percent of Americans don't want him as the nominee. It seems like maybe it's not that much of an outlier, right? Given that we've gotten right. two results that are right. similar in that way. But we're going to do it to ourselves anyway. And again, because, you know, with, with, with a president whose schedule is now basically 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., <laughs> you know, it, it's not encouraging. Remember that 3 a.m. phone call? Oh, yeah. No. Ad? No, no. Oh. Well, now it's good because he's probably when he gets up in the morning <laughs> at 3 a.m. So there's a good chance. You, you must have town hall thoughts. Yeah. So, okay. This is like. Is the story the town hall? Is the story Trump's performance at the town mm-hmm. hall? Or is the story whether the Trump town hall should have happened at all? Yeah, that's right. So CNN hosted a town hall with President, former President Trump last night. Caitlin Collins was answering, was asking the questions. It obviously got contentious at times. Although, look, can I just say, like, it, it's a tough job to try to fact check him live and oh, yeah. ask things that are tough but not insert yourself too much and like it's hard to find mm-hmm. the line there even if the answers are going to be atrocious trump will always have answers he's yes. never going to be stumped oh no you know here's here's a bit just to show how contentious it got at times are you ready are you ready can i talk yeah what's you the mind? answer can I, do you mind i would like for you to answer the question okay it's very simple to answer that's why i asked it it's very simple to you're a nasty person i'll tell you <laughs> All right, so there's the two of them going at it. He loves that word nasty. He does. His certain and, words become like his go-to. And of course know? he gets personal with yeah. her instead of just saying, can I answer the question? He's trying uh, to throw her off. I mean, he's very, you know, he likes to play these games. Oh, and you, he you lives heard. lives for this. You he heard, lives for this. You heard the applause, which is, it was a, it was a very pro-Trump crowd because yeah. it was it was billed as a Republican primary town hall, town hall debate. Do you think uh, any of these attendees watch CNN? <laughs> oh, I would doubt it. Hate watch it? I thought Ben Shapiro made a good point in in pointing out the topics that were covered in the questions. Mm-hmm. E. Jean Carroll, which we will oh, get boy. to. January 6th, Georgia election questions, National Archives documents questions, and Alvin Bragg's allegations and indictment. He rightly points out that those are not the top issues for Republican voters who are the ones who right. are going to make. Now, I think you have to press him on those sure. anyway. But you should get other things yeah. into the town hall as well. Namely, there were two interesting questions, I thought, from the Republican side, one being abortion and then the other one being gun rights. And Trump is very interesting on those topics. So, Did you see that CNN's own Oliver Darcy devoted his newsletter to the idea that, hey, maybe this wasn't a good idea? <laughs> Do you think they're all really angry at CNN President Chris Licht right now? They're all in a state. Because I will say this, the, the telltale sign that Trump did well was not just Trump himself. It's not the audience reaction, as you mentioned, that, you know, it was loaded, obviously, with right. conservatives from New Hampshire. Oh, but yeah, this was, was in New Hampshire, by That's the way. right. It was the reaction. It was the reaction of the CNN panelists after who they seemed terrified and they were in his john king was in the state talk about okay. how the president can still trump can still come back he's got a he has a way he has a path he has a path through his lies and that's what so, he said his lies so you so know, i think that a lot of think? people got flashbacks to 2016 watching this because 16. he was he was given more than an hour of airtime he wasn't allowed to run roughshod completely but he's given a lot of time here he's given a very friendly audience that's the part that I might have done differently if I were calling the shots. I'm not sure what I would have done with the audience situation yeah. because it do- that's fuel to his fire. 
right? Yes. And he can answer questions without yeah. an audience there. Right. I don't know exactly what you would want to do, but it seemed a little, it would, maybe you just set rules that not everybody's like whooping It would and also be tricky because you'd want to have somebody who wants to ask, who would ask a very tough, critical question of Trump and force him, you know, on the record to take a position. But you also have some, so many people who are so hysterically angry at Trump that they would, they might just rush the yeah. stage. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, you know? I know. You're right. Yeah. So the question becomes like, is what's happening now the same thing that Zucker did in 2016, which ended up, well, I I saw it coming, but yeah. to them, inadvertently empowering right. Trump to eventually win the right. presidency. So now there's a bunch of people saying, now the left always says, he should never appear. And it's yeah. like, well, he's the former president and the front runner of the GOP. So I don't, sh I'm not sure how you say he never appears. I right. understand that you guys have decided that viewpoints here and here just get blocked off, right. but that's not how this works. So I think CNN is perfectly within its rights to host a town hall with the front runner and the former president. Yeah. But people seem mad. People seem mad. So Darcy says, it's hard to see how America was served by the spectacle <laughs> of lies, lies. that aired yeah. on CNN yeah. Wednesday evening. By the way, it's I guess it's okay to shoot inside the tent now. Caitlin Collins is as tough and knowledgeable of an interview as that comes. She fact-checked Trump throughout the 70-minute town hall over and over again. She told him that the election was not stolen, blah, blah, blah. Election's not rigged, Mr. President. Trump frequently ignored or spoke over Collins throughout the evening as he unleashed a fire hose of disinformation upon the country, which a sizable swath of the GOP continues to believe. A professional lie machine. Trump fired off falsehoods at a rapid clip while using his bluster to overwhelm Collins, stealing command of the stage at some points of the town hall. He mocked E. Jean Carroll's allegations of sexual assault. Oof. And CNN aired it all, says Darcy. On and on it went. It felt like 2016 all over again. And then he talks about the internal yeah. furor about this. Again. Oh, he Lick. does. Now, yeah, he mentions it. And then Licht, Licht came out, or the whatever, the higher-ups yes. came out with a supportive statement of Caitlin Collins, as they should. Of course. They should have her back. But I have a feeling that Given that Trump feels pretty good about this, there may be some backing off of like whether this was the right thing to do. Yeah. I mean, Trump's people obviously handled, the, you know, again, like to quote Tom Hagen and Godfather too. Trump played Trump played this one beautifully, you know, and he knew they, they had it. Whatever the conditions were when they met with the CNN people, met all those conditions, including making sure the audience was going to be extremely friendly, laughing at all the jokes. Well, and that's the thing to me that you can't. How can you not see that coming? Yeah. And maybe they did see that coming. Here's here's the here's the galaxy brain. Is the point to elevate Trump again? <laughs> and then knock him down. Well, no, to yeah. elevate him just enough so that he's just for sure the GOP yes. nominee again. And then But again, yeah. you're playing with fire. You, you know, are. you guys remember what happened in 2016? No. That's right. So that could happen. And the other thing is this, you know, everyone hoping that Trump was going to somehow stumble and say something terrible. And the thing is, he does say things that are terrible, but he cannot get any worse in anybody's mind. This is like the problem. If, you're, if you are if you are a Trump supporter, you're, he's not going to say something like the E. Jean Carroll civil case right. where, where he gets he's found guilty of battery and defamation, not rape. Right. And and and, and you, if you read or listen to the deposition, Support is going to be like, what? He said, what? Oh, no, that's it now. I can't. No, you're all in. You were all in since Access Hollywood. Yeah. That, when, when Access Hollywood happened, it was first about the border, right? He talked about, you know, rapists and murders coming over the border. And people were so upset about it. They said, oh, that's it. I'm never going to support it. And then the Access Hollywood tape came out, a bombshell. Well, that's it. And, of course, he wins. Well, for 74 million at least Americans who voted for Trump, this is not, if anything— and we can get to the defamation suit next, but it doesn't make people think that, oh, he, he's a terrible f person for the things he said, but rather, oh, this is more examples of, you know, everyone being after him. Right. Because there's there's truth to that, too. Well, and I was I was talking to somebody about the E. Jean Carroll story yesterday, which we, we should go over. Speaking yeah. of not being okay. able to get worse. So this is a civil case about an alleged sexual assault and rape. She says sexual assault and rape inside of Bergdorf's in the 90s. So it's a very old allegation that E. Jean Carroll aired in 2019 for the yeah. first time. However, she told two friends about it at the time that it happened. Yeah, laughingly. And, and those yeah. two women testified at this civil case. Now, the civil case is interesting. Like, 
this is the thing about everything with Trump is like all the legal avenues toward him end up being slightly novel or tenuous. So this one is under the new Adult Survivors Act in New York, which was passed last fall yeah. and gives following people, the whole Me Too gives people a year to sue entities and people that they deem responsible mm-hmm. for alleged assaults on them with no statutes of limitations. So there's no we don't need to worry about that. And of course, as you know, in a civil trial, the the standard for evidence is a preponderance. Like mm-hmm. it's more likely that this happened than That's it's- right. It does not need to be beyond a shadow of a doubt, right? right. It, this is not a case from prosecutors right. in, in, in a criminal proceeding. It's civil preponderance of evidence. So that's the situation here. And as usual, it splits everyone in exactly the way that Trump's bad behavior or alleged bad behavior often does, which is that half the people who already agree with him are like, he's being railroaded. And you can tell because this tenuous and novel legal process that they're using to get him. Mm -hmm. Right. And then the people who think he did it are like, well, his past bad behavior and admissions thereof. And by the way, the deposition in this, which was terrible and triples down on the Access Hollywood tape, the theory of the Access Hollywood tape, those indicate that, of course, he's capable of doing this. By the way, both of them have a point. Yeah. And everybody spins into their own little camp. That's right. And that's what the BBC found, by the way. They interviewed nine Republican women and half of them were like, oh, this means we need a new 2024 nominee. And half of them were like, he's being victimized yeah, he's being railroaded so we're we're just those are the camps bad news for the gop is there's more people in the than camp not. than there are in the trump camp. What, what i found bizarre but i guess it's totally in trump's character is how he explained what happened right and they again as you mentioned during a deposition he was asked if he agrees with you know what he had said about the access hollywood tape about grabbing women etc right. and he said just a fact just the fact that celebrities for a million years, which I didn't realize there were celebrities during like the caveman years. I didn't realize that. But OK, celebrities for a million years have been in this position of power where, you know, and can do what they want or whatever. And OK, you're pointing out a fact technically true. Right. And then he throws in fortunately or unfortunately. Well, what's the fortunately part? OK, that, so and the, look, if this is classic Trump. Had it just ended with, yeah. unfortunately, yeah. arguably okay. And I tell you, if I were, and I'm sure maybe his lawyers do tell him, say this, don't say that. And he's very hard to control because Trump is, at the end of the day, he's very media savvy and he's very good at manipulating media, but he's also his own worst enemy. Yes. If I were his lawyer, you know what I would have advised him to say? I would have advised him to say, you know what? This thing happened. People in my position, you know, can basically do whatever they want. And women can't resist me. And I don't remember either when this happened at Bergdorf Goodman, but it was consensual. And what I don't really, I don't understand. He never admitted, he never, he could have said, yeah, it happened and it's consensual. Instead, he said, gross, ew, right? She's not my type. He argues he doesn't know her, which is not a reliable answer because he said that he doesn't know me as well. And we've met many, like several times. Like it's, he has a, he has a pattern of saying he doesn't know people that's that he's right. obviously that's had right. interactions right. with and, in fact, talk junk about in public. Yes. So it's like, well, yeah, I think you do yeah. know someone. But, yeah, I can I say aside from this being a Trump issue that I'm not sure about the whole standard of evidence of do do we want it to be the fact that you must prove that you weren't at Bergdorf? 30 years ago in order to clear your name from something like this. She doesn't remember when it happened, which is kind of a big deal. Well, and this this was my problem with the Kavanaugh standard. The Kavanaugh standard was that Brett Kavanaugh, in order to clear his name and become a Supreme Court justice in good standing, should prove definitively a negative. Yes. That he was not at a party of unknown guest list, Mm -hmm. location, and date. Yeah. In the year of our Lord, what, 1986? Yeah. yeah. And Kavanaugh came as close as you could possibly come to proving that negative with his paper calendars of the they time. They were analyzing which, his high school, his yearbook. Which no other person would have been able to bring to the table and no other person should have to because that should not be the standard. And I, I do worry about yeah. what this sets up for oh, people sure. who are sued and how we yeah. use those standards because- if there is no contemporaneous 
police report. And now I understand there are contemporaneous reports of other kinds, but if there's no evidence, it's like it seems like it gets into a lot of problems for again, well, the again, whole presumption of innocence, and, and this, even though it's civil. I know it's civil. This reminds me of Nancy Pelosi's tweet relating to Trump, but it relates to almost everything here, which is guilty till proven innocent. Right. Right. He'll have he'll have his day in court to it's prove a, his innocence. It's a pillar, a pillar of our. <laughs> yeah, it's really it's really quite something else. But here's the thing: as bad as to tie it back with Biden. As bad as Trump has been in the past, right, and in his nature, we all this is not a surprise to anybody. You think about, wow, you know, Biden had tweeted out after the town hall, and remember what he says in the tweet, he says, do you really want four more years of this, right? Right. Oh, in basic simplistic terms, no, of course not. That's terrible. But of course, Biden himself has this record to run yeah. on, and what Trump could do is just say, yes. You may find me detestable and repulsive, but Afghanistan, crime, inflation, immigration, make your choice. I mean, the economy alone. The economy but alone. But this is the thing. Trump you may hate me, hate me, but judge me on my policies. Had, That's what, had in 2020, yeah. had Trump also stayed in a basement and just pointed to economic numbers on a graph once, every, once yeah. a month mm-hmm. in public, I think yeah. he would have been elected. Right. Also, but like he could he can't control himself, which is why yeah. half the Republican women voters in that BBC interview were like, right. right. I also think about if, you know. The inevitable, if it ever happens, actually, you never know. We may never have another presidential debate, but if it happens and it's Biden versus Trump, all Trump has to say is ask President Biden where he stands on. Trans surgeries for minors. Mm hmm reparations for black Americans as opposed to Hispanics in California, put him in that position. And people say, you know what? I don't want any of that nonsense. Well, here's the thing. But see, in 2022, arguably the American public said they didn't want that nonsense, but they still voted for that nonsense because the other side was Trumpian style servings and they didn't want those. My theory is it's gotten a lot worse. And now they're like, <laughs> ah, it's, it's pretty ah, bad. I think I'm having second thoughts. Bad. Okay. This is the question is, do we do, does the Republican Party want to make this a super challenging election when it could be an easier one? And the yes. answer is probably yes. They're, we're going to make it as as challenging as yeah, possible. This blockbuster matchup we've got. Nobody planned. wants. I, I was Nobody just, you know, wants it. Kirsten Soltis Anderson was just talking about this in her newsletter. It's saying if you love nostalgia like she loves the 90s, and if you have nostalgia for 2020, boy, are you in for a treat. Oof. Get ready, everyone. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll stay. We'll stay tuned. It, it's still possible, as your friend says, his his words to yeah. God's lips, yeah. uh, to God's yeah. ears, that, you know, neither one of them what is the nominee. We, we don't think. Okay. Trust only us. Anyway, speaking of due process, I have a piece in OutKick this week about a punter. Yeah. For the Buffalo Bills, showing that, you know, due process is good and we should maybe observe it, particularly in media coverage. <laughs> we don't really do that. So this is sort of this punter. He was a Buffalo Bills punter in the preseason of last year. Never made it to the actual season because he was dropped by the Bills. Why was he dropped by the Bills? Because there were allegations that he was involved in. By the way, there's a there's like a kid warning for this entire episode. Yeah. Cause it's <laughs> Matt Areza. Right? Matt Areza. It's called the punt god. He's like has a very impressive yeah. foot. His longest football or his long, long football his football kick. No, his his longest field goal uh-huh. in college was fifty three yards, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And he had an eighty plus yard 82. punt yeah. in the preseason for the Bills. So like yeah. really impressive stuff. Yeah. There were allegations that he was involved in it with two other teammates from San Di- from his San Diego University, a gang rape at a Halloween party on an underage woman. He maintained his innocence and said, no, any contact was consensual. And I definitely was not involved in any sort of group activity. Her version of events is extremely graphic and horrifying. Yes. It's actually, I would say, just to keep it sort of euphemistic, if you're familiar with the story of the now debunked Rolling Stone oh. story, it, similar. Yeah. It's, it's a, yes. the description of it is similar. Which, by the way, I get I get confused between that and Duke Lacrosse. Yeah, very, there. We, we seem to not. We continue to repeat these mistakes. Well, so this was my column. I'm like, yes. could we learn from these mistakes, right. please? And the answer is maybe not. So I I went back through the old 
media coverage of this. Mm-hmm. It turns out, breaking news, someone got a transcript, an unsealed transcript of the prosecutors in the criminal case talking to the lawyer for the victim and saying, look, we can't, not only can we not bring charges, but we've looked at the four terabytes of search search wow, warranted video. video and cannot prove that this was non-consensual. We also have a witness that says Matt Ariza was not at the party at the time of the alleged yeah. incident. So these are pretty large facts from a pretty large investigation right. that suggest that if there was contact between these two, it did not happen at the time that she's saying it happened. Mm-hmm. I think he said there was consensual contact, but that it may not have been non-consensual. There's like, it's pretty clear that this guy had his career ruined over something that seems not to be true. Certainly not to the standard of That's reasonable right. doubt. They can't even bring charges against him. But may he may have been like basically exonerated by this investigation. Except there's a civil case that's hanging over yes. him. Yes. So there's the civil case. Again, same story, less you burden of proof. But even even if it's just a even if it's just a preponderance of evidence, reading about the police and prosecutor's side, which is there is nothing there's no there there. I'd like to think that he is, gets acquitted of the of, of, of in in the court of case. in the in yes in the but civil in the, case. In, well, in the court of public opinion. So this is interesting yeah. too, and this is one of the the wrinkles in this story is that his his lawyer of course is arguing well we need those videos as part of evidence because he's he does not appear in the videos yeah the videos are apparently telling the prosecutors something about this and they say you can't have them because she's underage you can't have those videos yeah so but it's a large part of the evidence of the case at any rate it reminded me of the duke lacrosse case yeah where because because the people involved who are the accused Mm -hmm are of a class that is considered privileged Mm -hmm. and basically has had their way for too long. And in some cases, that's certainly true of like affluent white male athletes who are stars. Sure. Sometimes that's true. That does not mean that you throw due process out and convict somebody in the court of public opinion just because he fits the profile. And that's what happened here. In fact, there was a really egregious CBS report where the reporter is interviewing the accuser, hidden face interview. She's interviewing her and she, she her, her thing is, you know, these are the ways that Ariza has been punished. You know, he was cut by the bills, but his accuser wonders how his career got that far. And it's like, well, because there's no because, charges. Because he had, he had raped and plundered his way over the years. Do you remember in the Rolling Stone story about the fraternity at, at right. UVA and the detail of the, there was so much detail in the story about the, the, the hidden staircase in the back and right. the glass table that was in shards because they threw her down. And none of that, even none no. of that was real. No. But everybody now, loved to jump on this. No, I will say and that. And then when it was, and then, and then when finally there was blowback, it turned out not to be true. Well, and in the beginning, half the people. when any of these stories break, if you say publicly, hey, let's wait, yeah. you're the pariah. Oh, right? yeah. You're the one. Oh, so How you think you just, gang mm-hmm, rape is totally mm-hmm. fine? Like, no, I just would like to honor the tenet of right. innocent right. until proven guilty unless we have, like, actual evidence Jesse here. Smollett. Oh, Everybody, yeah, jump on the bandwagon. Yeah. I will say this, this accuser brought her story to the police the day after the party. Mm. She had a diary that that where she wrote down some of this stuff there's you know there was there was evidence and things happening at the time mm-hmm. but the prosecutors could not find enough no. to bring to again her, so. they have video of this she sounds troubled yeah going to these parties 17 well and as somebody said somebody's daughter is is awful no it's terrible and, and somebody said of course on twitter was like oh yeah he sounds like a real great guy you know engaging with a 17 year old party is like okay are you aware that due process is extended to people who mm-hmm. go to parties and do things yeah. that you don't like like that's a that's part of the, the thing at any rate you can read that at outkick i do worry nice, i do worry well about done. because i think that the me too movement was good for bringing to light yeah. some things that have been hidden for far too right. long however if you throw the other part out the window, you destroy the then you're thing. just swinging the pendulum the other way. Right. It's, it's not good. Even when I was on TV talking about allegations of sexual misconduct, I would like be very careful not to smear someone irresponsibly, even if I thought they were not a great person. Because that's not what you're supposed yeah. to do. I know. It's crazy. It's crazy stuff. All right. What's my next topic? 
Georgia Bulldogs. Oh, that's right. More sports. We have to talk about the Georgia Bulldogs because I have talked about the Georgia Bulldogs surprisingly little this year. (laughs) Please continue. And by that, I mean the calendar year of 2023. In the past right. 12 still months. Celebrating. We're still in the reign of. Yeah. Well, he's before the podcast, Vic said to me, oh, yeah, like you really haven't talked about the championship. And I said, I haven't. There's just so many of them that I haven't even addressed the second one yet. Okay. <laughs> so it's in the headline. Vic. Yeah, that, it is. No, it's back, legit. It's legit. Back-to-back champs, Georgia Bulldogs decline White House visit. The back-to-back national champion Georgia Bulldogs football team has declined a visit to the White House. The University of Georgia's Athletics Department cited the date that was offered as the reason. A spokesman for the department said, unfortunately, the date suggested is not feasible given the student-athlete calendar and time of year. However, however, we are appreciative of the invitation and look forward to other opportunities for Georgia teams moving forward. The team didn't receive an invitation to the White House after last year's title win due to COVID. COVID-19 mm. safety yeah. precautions. They're like, we're from Georgia, ma'am. There's yeah. no... What are you talking? You're going to be on the South Lawn. We don't have precautions. Yeah. And so, yeah, they won't they won't be attending. It's a bummer for me cuz I would have like scammed my way into the ceremony. You might have been able to. They may know you at the White House. Yeah, uh, I know. The White House is like, "Ah, no, she can't come." Do you think it's strictly merely scheduling conflict? I doubt it. <laughs> you think they did like a show of hands who wants to go? And it was like, "Eh." I mean, do I think and this happens too. This happens. This yeah, happened a lot t- under Trump. People take oh, a pass. People went out of their way. They didn't even. They, some people weren't even polite. They just said like, "No way." Look, I think the pre- the prestige is lower than it used to be. Certainly, mm-hmm. in a Biden administration, the excitement yeah. of meeting the old president right. isn't quite what it used to be. Because because it's you know yes the, you're out of you're off season now in the schedule. And maybe people are traveling, but don't you think people would say, "Oh wait, I have an opportunity to go meet the president at the White House." And the vice president or something. And then it, but now it's because it's Biden seems, and Harris. Seems, seems like a lot of trouble. Yeah. Like I, you know what? I <laughs> rearrange my sock drawer. I'm sorry. I can't do it. You know, I'm oh, washing my hair. I'm washing day. my hair. Right. Exactly. Do you remember that said? And again, you know, any number of athletes who have boycotted the White House during the Trump years. Fine. Do you remember when the, the, the Washington Nationals, the Nats, after they won the World Series, they went to the White House. Right. And it was crazy. Kurt Suzuki and Ryan Zimmerman, not only there on the balcony, but like buddy, buddying up with Trump. It was like the media, oh, the media right. didn't know what to do about it. They, what is Kurt happening? Suzuki put on a MAGA hat. People try to everyone's trying to forget this ever happened. But All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring up the room with the end of this podcast. Good. I think I, I know what you got. One, a hero for our times. On Friday, this is Australia. Victoria Police posted aerial footage on Twitter. Of, uh, hold on, a woman, a woman in Australia yes. has been rescued after surviving for five days on wine and lollipops. Victoria Police posted aerial footage on Twitter of the area where Lillian, 48, was found after a car was her car was spotted in dense bushland. Police say she had taken a wrong turn and wound up stuck with no cell phone service to call for help. The only liquid Lillian, who doesn't drink, had with her was a bottle of wine she had brought as a gift for her mother, so that got her through. (laughs) She was only planning a short day trip, so had only taken a couple of snacks and lollies with her, but no water. She used the car's heater overnight to give her some warmth, and she's still with us. Well, you forget, May, I guess in parts of Australia, gets a little chilly now. They're going in the other direction, of course. Five days in the bush. I I have little to say about the lollipops except she'd be in a great position if you had to choose your lollipops i'd hope they were those tootsie roll pops oh, because yeah. then you got two in one yeah they've got some substance it is it is like my it is like my my olives and martini principle right it's like a two meals yeah you, you don't two want meals in you one. don't want dum-dums no. you're gonna starve oh, no, out there no, no, i don't care you have a bag of dum especially the ones that i remember when my daughter was, was little and you know you you go to some place and they offer you in the basket of yes. the, there's like a diner or something. The bank and she, lollipops. And she, the bank That's lollipops. That's what I like to call those. And she picked one. It was mystery and it was bad mystery. Oh, and she so cried. Sad. You don't want to get a bad mystery. No. So I hope she had the Tootsie Roll Pops. But I couldn't find out what kind of wine. Oh, I'm glad you investigated. I, I did. Was, I was I relying on you for there that. There was no word about it, but I will say this. Even though I am a lover of red wine in such conditions, mm-hmm. and of course, if it's cold, it might help. 
But in such conditions, I would still think she'd be better off with white wine because mm-hmm. it'd be more lighter, more refreshing. Yeah. If it's cold outside, you can keep it out on your hood and let it chill. And I think it pairs well with a lollipop. <laughs> I, I do. This is the kind of advice you get. This is, this is what you get on the show. Getting hammered. All right. One last thing. Yes. I am in the Washington Post. Oh, yes. Just a little... Just a little feel-good mm-hmm. piece. Mm-hmm. No, the Washington Post approached a bunch of writers and parents for for sharing the best reasons to have children because some have written of late, and I think they're correct, that parenthood gets bad PR. Oh, and yeah. like, look, a lot of people got to vent. I get it. You know, a lot, of, a lot of Instagrammers out there need to complain. That's fine. But I do think that we don't play up the good parts of parenting too much. So I was glad to be asked to do that. And I contributed to 13 parents tell us the best reasons to have children for Mother's Day. You want to read your little excerpt? or Sure. Well, I can paraphrase it. So I said, she. they asked for actually the best, and, some of the best and the hardest things. And mm-hmm. I said, well, the, the best part about being a parent is that you get to be a kid for them again, right? You get to play with Play-Doh. You get to color. You get to climb things. And like, just don't get so far into your youth that you rip your rotator cuff. You know, that's <laughs> the idea. The hardest part is being an adult for them. Boundaries, teaching them to behave in public without a screen. Good these for thi- you. These That's things, very important. These things are no fun, but you have to do them. But I said, my kids got me through the hardest time of my life because I had to get up every day after I lost my late husband, no matter how scared or sad I was, because they needed me. And there is something simple and profound about getting out of bed to make your kids breakfast because it just must be done and so that yeah. was my my That's contribution right. to the mother's well day. it's 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 about otherness mm-hmm. you know so it's not about you anymore and that's it's a big change for a lot of people i love that it was a lovely little thing that you had written i want you to ask me best day of my life what's the what was the best day of your life the best day of my life is when both of my children were born ask me what the worst day was that's the worst day. Same day. That's <laughs> ah, a little Bruno Kirby City Slickers joke for you. Okay. I think that wraps up this episode of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and you could follow me on Twitter at Victorina Mattis. I am at MK Hammer on Twitter and Substack, where you still can see the pictures of my renovated bathroom. I know you guys have been on tenterhooks. Tenter. I spell it correctly, Vic. Yeah, very good. Very I don't good. even need his yeah. editing, yeah, okay? Yeah, no, I, don't I can tell it. by the way you pronounced it. <laughs> and I'm at MK Hammer Time on Instagram. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for getting hammered responsibly. This has been a Nebulous Media Podcast. Yeah.